Next on Community Matters, a judge's decision favors Ford in the Blue Oval Battery Plant case. Petitioners still have a right to pursue this, um, but there is nothing at this point to stop us going forward with construction. We'll talk with lawyers from both sides. Also coming up, Wiggly Tail for September. If you have a propensity for the Zoomies, Sid may be your perfect dog companion. He's not going to be one of those couch potato dogs. He needs something to do and he's going to go do it. And I'll give you my first impressions of the Ford Mustang Mach-E electric vehicle. All coming up on Community Matters for September 16, 2023. Brought to you by Lakeview Ford Lincoln. Good morning. Community Matters, every week on 95.3 WBCK, brought to you by Lakeview Ford Lincoln. Richard Pyatt here, and boy, oh boy, have we been waiting for some kind of decision from the judge in the Blue Oval Battery Plant Marshall Megasite case, and we now have it. Joining us are legal representatives from both sides of the issue. Robbie Doobie, Eklund and Blando, member of the Committee for Marshall Legal Team, and Richard Lindsay with Abbott, Thompson, Malden, Parker, Beer, and Rick, the Meta Ford Legal Team. Gents, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. So the judge has decided in favor of the city and Meta and Ford in this decision, which uh, has been a long time coming. I guess that's where I might just start. Uh, For a while there, we thought a decision might be pretty straightforward. At least that was some of the inferences with this, that there had been a a preliminary peek at what the judge might be thinking back in July and uh, some notion that might be the path he'd continue on. It seems that it was, but it took a while to get there. Did that surprise either of you? I was surprised just by the fact that we had a hearing, I think, two weeks ago now, and he had indicated that he was 80% complete with the opinion that would be issuing it shortly. So it sort of was, was thinking that it would be, uh, you know, a week ago. But um, I think Mr. Doobie and I have both practiced long enough to know the judges, judges, judges rule and take things uh, in the time that they choose to do it. So I'm glad that he issued the opinion today and, uh, you know, just was worth the wait for us at this point. Yeah, in terms of litigation, this is actually a pretty fast one, uh, although it does not feel like that when you're going day to day um, to have the, the type of motion that the city and Meta brought decided effectively about a month after the arguments is actually pretty quick in the legal cycle. Um, obviously, we we disagree with the ruling and we're disappointed with it, um, but we did suspect that, you know, with how the judge ruled at the preliminary injunction that uh, he might keep on that same track. And, it, and that is in many ways what he did. Yeah, so let's talk about what this really means. Uh, Richard, this uh, this is the perspective you suspected would happen, right? Yeah, and, and as we we talked, I guess, uh, a couple months ago, now, or a month and a half ago now, you know, in the preliminary injunction uh, hearing, he issued a opinion that kind of foreshadowed what he was going to do and ended up doing here. And, you know, really he relied on um, the case that we talked about then, MGM Grand, uh, to rule that the appropriations addition to the, the ordinance by the city was effective to be able to uh, block this so it could not was not subject to a referendum. 
And so used a lot of the same argument, a lot of the same analysis that he used then uh, to reach this result. He even said that, it seemed, in the beginning of the decision, as I read it, that uh, I talked about this in July, and that is reflected in the following information. Yeah. So, Robbie, what does it really mean? So the the attempt at rezoning will not happen, but this was the target that you were focused on here, right? Yeah, I think to clarify what this what we were seeking was a referendum on the ordinance that rezoned Um, and the city clerk denied the uh, certificate of sufficiency that was necessary for that. And our argument was that that was improper. We had a legal right to that. Um, After the preliminary hearing, we were able to bring in more cases. We thought Coalition for Safer Detroit was more on point than the MGM grand uh, case. The judge disagreed. And what he ultimately ruled is that he granted summary disposition for the city in Meta, saying the city was correct. You do not have a right to a certificate of insufficiency, which means we're not at this stage going to have a referendum, right? I'm not going to grant mandamus that would get you a referendum. That he also said, I'm not going to address the signature issue, right? So last time I came on here, we said, we really view this as a constitutional law issue with with the signatures. He said, I'm not going to address that. I don't need to effectively because you're not going to have this referendum. And then that kind of leaves us um, in, in a procedural stage of kind of a couple of forks on the road. Effectively, what it means right now is the judge said, I thought I was right in July. I still think I'm right. And I think the city had the proper argument as to what the city clerk did. Yeah, and we'll get to that. What's what we're looking at here is the fork in the road in, in a moment. Uh, Richard, uh, is there any reason at this point, any legal uh, blockade? There really wasn't much of one at this point, unless the decision went a different way. But do you see any other legal challenges here? At this point, you know the I three ordinance uh, rezoning is, is valid, and so. Uh, Ford has started, I should say, a wholly owned subsidiary of Ford has started construction, uh, has been working on construction for about a month now. And so the cranes you see as you drive by the site are the actually digging the caissons for the for the um, foundations. And those go down about 40 feet to bedrock. And so they are, uh, we are proceeding with that. There were three claims that the judge addressed. Um, they have brought another two claims in a request for an amendment, I should say they filed it. We objected to it. Those things are still out there. What the judge said is that I will allow uh, leave to amend, and so we go back to our motion to strike on that issue. So I'll say those things are still out there um, until the last appeal period has has expired. Um, petitioners still have a right to pursue this, um, but there is nothing at this point to stop us going forward and. Uh, again, we anticipate full speed forward with construction. Robbie, boil that down for us, if you would. Uh, the petitioners still have a right to pursue that. What does that really mean? Yeah, so I guess I'll push back and say that there's no legal grounds here. We've brought two additional claims. Uh, one, that the city did not provide sufficient notice as required by the city charter that this ordinance was going to be introduced at all. And one, that the city doesn't get to rezone if the Joint Planning Commission said no. And the Joint Planning Commission here said no. So we brought an amended complaint that also included additional facts, including the affidavit from um, Bruce Laidlaw that said there's never been a zoning ordinance that's ever had an appropriation in it before. So our amended complaint has facts and two new claims. 
the, the city of Meta has said, you're not going to win on those two new claims, so you shouldn't allow them to amend. That's a very simple boiling of what saying an amendment is futile is, right? Saying you're not going to win, so let's don't don't waste everyone's time by going through this whole process. Kind of the first fork here is the judge could say, I agree, you're not going to get to amend, at which point we suspect he'll put in what's called final judgment, which would then put us in the position of deciding whether to appeal or not. Or he might say, actually, no, I think petitioners do have a reason to bring the two new claims, and I want you to argue to me why they're not successful. Then if we go down that route, petitioners could win on either one of the two, which would take away the rezoning, or petitioners could lose on both, which would put the case in this kind of final position that we're very effectively in now. Mm -hmm. What's your hunch on that? Uh, Well, I'm very confident that we'll win at the end of the day, but I know Mr. Lindsay feels the exact opposite. So Me as well, right? <laughs> right, yeah, every lawyer does. But, you know, futility, it's their arguments are based on standing, the idea that, you know, you don't have the ground to bring those claims. Those are very, in my experience, hard to gauge. We think that we have standing, the, the city doesn't. But frankly, I, I would say that it's pretty hard to gauge at this point what the judge is going to do. Um, so I'll say we feel very confident our claims are valid and we would succeed on them once they're brought. City of Meta obviously feels the exact opposite. And with, with this court, I don't have a good sense of which way he would uh, he would go. What do you think, Richard? I mean, he's been very positive on the issues uh, before him for the city and for Meta. But I will say if, if he tipped his hand at all in the, in the hearing on the motion to strike, I didn't gather what that tip was. So. I, I would agree with Mr. Doobie. I, I really don't know how he'll, he'll uh, rule on these things. They are rather unique claims, um, just that you don't see on a day-to-day -day basis in kind of civil litigation. Um, but that having said, this ju judge is obviously well-prepared and reads everything that we submit, and I'm sure he'll take a very hard look at that depending on you know which way it goes. Rami, you've been working on other similar cases like this. Is this one unique? to some of the others that you've worked on? The signature issue is certainly unique. I've never had one where a city says you don't even have a right to collect signatures. Um, and notably, you know, something we raised in our briefing is we haven't seen the city explain why this would be constitutional, even if their statutory interpretation is correct. And the judge twice now has refused to address it. So that's certainly unique to me. Um, in terms of these fights over whether it is certificate of sufficiency or not, that's very common. Um, that's kind of the main mechanism I have encountered where cities kind of say, no, we're not going to do this referendum. Um, obviously, in this case, the judge at this stage has said the city was right to do so. In other cases, the courts have found the city was not right to do so. Not this city of Marshall specifically, but nationwide as I've done these. So th th this kind of litigation is very typical. I would say the only thing for me that's not typical is the many attempts to intervene by a lot of parties. That was That was kind of a new one for me. Um, and then the signature issue has been, um, to me, so surprising and new one. Mm -hmm. How about you, Richard? You have uh, observed uh, many kinds of cases and certainly this one. Anything stand out as different or unique? Well, we're, we're talking about five billion dollars, right? And that doesn't come up, doesn't come up very often. <laughs> uh, I mean, just from my perspective, this this is, you know, a project that is going to have a stunning uh, positive impact on 
yeah, I would say from the east side of Jackson County to the west side of Kalamazoo County. And, you know, we just uh, um, just received approval from a Senate committee for another $299 million from the SSRP fund. There's another $330 million. And this has been appropriated before, but but MDOT is getting started with its work. Um, so we've got, I, I am, I'm in the middle of land transactions and, you know, contracts with Ford and the things that we're doing. And then to have this litigation at the same time has made it truly, truly interesting. <laughs> I mean, I just, it, it is, this is unique. I, and, you know, kind of the comparison in Michigan is, you know, the poll town case from a couple of years ago. And we, we don't have the same, you know, takings issues because all this property was purchased, but just kind of the impact on the state, the impact on the region, um, the long-term impact as far as what electric vehicles uh, will be. And, and Michigan being a center for EV manufacturer going forward. I mean, this there's a, there's a lot of aspects of this case that make it very very interesting. You know, I think Robbie, you said the last time we talked, you you pointed out the notion of the a zoning request with an appropriation attached. You know, somebody could attach an appropriation to any zoning request, you know, for a dollar, and that precludes having a, a referendum. And that could be troublesome for some folks. Richard, you're a Marshall guy. Do, do you see that argument at all? And uh, does is that valid? Yeah, I mean, the, the Marshall Charter, city charter, says what it says. I, I suppose maybe there's some limit uh, some court will place on it. But this is something our state legislature does uh, um, quite often. Um, when it's the Republicans doing it to the Democrats, then the Democrats scream. And when it's the Democrats doing it to the Republicans, the Republicans scream. Um, but, I mean, it is it is in the Marshall City Charter, and it was in the Detroit City Charter. And, you know, that that's the law for the city of Marshall. And the people of the city of Marshall chose that as what they wanted to do. Um, and it's, you know, it's legal and it's appropriate. Yeah, I mean, I... This, these are certainly things that petitioners can make arguments about, and this is why we have judges to resolve these things. And I think the fact that you know the state legislature has done this, and Republicans and Democrats do this, goes to the point I made that this isn't about the substance; it's about the constitutionality, right? If you have a right to referendum that can be stripped away because a single dollar bill is put into an ordinance, you don't really have a right to a referendum, not anything that could be controversial or not anything where the city or the state doesn't want um, the citizens to have a vote. And so I think if if we are going to say, well, you know, it's legal, there's still the question that people should be asking themselves, is it right? And there is a mechanism to change city charters, to change state laws. And I think that if people understood that their right to referendum was that tenuous, I think that they would be looking much more carefully at their charter language and would expect to see some changes in that charter language. Yeah, certainly that's a conversation outside of, of this case. Uh, for the purposes of this case, this is the way it is. Robbie, do you see that in some of the other cases you've worked that are similar, that this uh, zoning and appropriation association is there, or is this unique? Uh, this is the first time I've seen this. A lot of times um, states will have what's called an administrative legislative distinction. Uh, Michigan has that. Um, in North Dakota, the, another case I did, they didn't. So the appropriation issue was entirely, it, didn't, it wouldn't have mattered. Um, but, I, you know, the, 
if I was a city attorney advising a city on how to make sure there wasn't a referendum, this is exactly what I would tell them to do. And I'm not at all saying that's what the city's attorneys told them to do. But if that's the goal that you want, this is this is absolutely what I would do. I would never have an ordinance that didn't have an appropriation of some sort, because if my city council's passing it, I don't want that overturned. But in terms of the cases that we've actually handled where an appropriation and an ordinance has mattered, we haven't seen one. It's, it's always been in instances where that wasn't the legal issue at play. Okay. So, Richard, I presume that um, if there's other uh, potential litigation here, made a Ford or ready to keep on trucking, I assume. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, because of the timelines, I, I can't at this point really imagine what else there might be. But I've also been practicing law for 30 years. So, and if something happens, we'll keep moving forward. So, um, yeah, I, I don't foresee anything at this point. Robbie, I'm not trying to ask you to tip your hand, but um, I, I have heard Glenn Kowalski, for example, the committee for Marshall, say to me directly, I don't know what the appetite is for the committee to keep on fighting this, but the option is obviously there, right? Yeah, I will say um, every appeal I've ever taken, I have won unanimous opinions overturning the trial court judge. I've never lost an appeal, and it's been unanimous every time. Just because a trial court who puts out a well-reasoned opinion just because the judge says, here's how I'm going to rule, does not mean that's what the conclusion of the case is going to be. We've seen that at the D.C. Circuit, which is sometimes called the second highest court in the land, where I won unanimous. We've seen that in Minnesota Court of Appeals and a whole lot of other places. Now, this is not me saying if we, that we're going to take an appeal. That's something that we'll have to discuss internally. But we, like I said, we disagree very strongly with the judge's opinion. And we think that there is a lot of issues where an appellate court could go the other way. I think Mr. Lindsay will agree this this case mostly revolves around legal interpretation, not facts, right? The facts, most people kind of agree what's going on. So it's really a question of how does the law fall one way or the other? That's a scenario where an appellate court frequently, in my experience, can go a different way. Now, of course, you can have an appeal and the appellate court could say, nope, trial judge was right. But we do feel like there are, you know, we disagree entirely with the judge's opinion and we think there are appealable issues. Um, and I think it's important for people to know that cases go a long time past the trial court um, and that you know, appeals court can totally reverse it. But are the petitioners going to appeal? Will the city and to appeal if the motion to strike fails and, and petitioners succeed on another claim? Obviously, I don't think either one of us can speak for our clients at, at this point on that. Yeah, right. Just speaking generally, Richard, is that uh, your purview as well, legally speaking, that appeals can go another way? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's the role of the Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court. I mean, the interesting thing about the MGM case was, first of all, that the city of Detroit passed an ordinance, realized it was going to be challenged, and then added an appropriation. Clearly, no question to avoid the, you know, the issue being placed on the ballot. Different case than ours, right? Completely different from that start. But then it was with the Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court reached in and grabbed it and said, we're going to hear this and we're going to make a decision. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know this judge. I didn't really have an expectation. Um, I thought that our relief might come in the Court of Appeals or in the Supreme Court. And so I would, you know, obviously, you know, you're not expecting us to agree with each other on this, but I think our, you know, our facts and our law and, on appeal are very strong as well. So. Um, you know, in the meantime, we keep building and, you know, and at some point there's sort of a, 
an equitable argument to be made that this is a pre-existing use and that you know we we're we have been you know we've been building under the i3 ordinance and it would be inappropriate to change it i mean appeals sometimes can take one and two years you know to be resolved and the plant will be built by you know 2026 so uh i think things are moving forward and you know we will continue to work and to you know to get the project completed and you know it's it's really in the plaintiff's court to decide or petitioner's court to decide what they want to do at this point yeah you raise an interesting dynamic here and and robbie maybe you have a thought on this uh <laughs> let's suppose there's an appeal in the future but the plant is still being built is there a threshold that gets crossed at some point there where the where the appeal is really no longer relevant i mean if the plant is built um th that's the complete opposite thing of, of what the petitioners want right what petitioners want is to have a referendum on the ordinance. This is an election law case. That That is the relief we're seeking. If the Court of Appeals, if that's the route we go, or if the Supreme Court plucks it up, or however this ends up resolving, rules in petitioners' favor, that is a ruling that would effectively be saying petitioners were right from the very beginning, which means that all the construction and all the things that had gone on was done illegally because the ordinance should have been suspended. Um, you know, I think if the Court of Appeals uh, or Supreme Court, if, if we go that route, you know, rules in our favor and there's been more construction done, the zoning ordinance still gets reverted back uh, or suspended and if there's a successful referendum, it gets reverted back, then they're going to have some pretty serious questions to answer about how their operations work. Um, of course, the city could always pass a different ordinance or do special use permits. I mean, there's other options that they have. Um, and I think that's another reason why we view this so much more as an election law case than anything else, because we view it as do we have a right to a referendum? Do we have a right to have our signatures collected on the issue of rezoning, which affects the plant? But this isn't a zoning challenge, right? We're not coming and saying you shouldn't have zoned it this way. You should have zoned it I-1 or agricultural or township. We're saying you should have given us our referendum. Okay. Well, uh, appreciate uh, both of you having the uh, the time set aside for us to try and interpret what's happened, and uh, maybe we'll talk again <laughs> before uh, too much longer. Always glad to to assist. And thank you. I, I do think it's important for the public to know that lawyers do get along, <laughs> that we can disagree strongly and still be agreeable to one another. So I do want to congratulate Mr. Lindsay on his win. Um, and I do want to point out, I think the city and Meta, while we disagree with them, their briefing has been very good. And I think there's been very good lawyering on their side. And I think uh, it's always important for the public to know that um, that lawyers can respect each other, even if we disagree. Yeah, and I'd like to extend the same to Mr. Doobie. And, and, and again, we've, we've appreciated the professionalism. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's much appreciated. Well, thank you both. And uh, we'll stay in touch.